You're listening to The Wedding Whisperer with Sarah Burton of Simply Love Studio in Lexington, Kentucky. Today may be the very first Wedding Whisperer podcast that you're listening to because you are already married or being married is not even on your radar. You are just somebody that attends weddings, whether it's on a regular basis, once a year, or maybe you just attend events in general. During my podcast with Elena from Perfect Timing, we talked a little bit about things that guests do during weddings, and that kind of spurred the idea for today's podcast. And my guests today are going to be Hunter Sherwood with Sherwood Design and Events and Tyler Jackson from Jackson Visuals. Thank you all so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. Happy to be here. So, Hunter, tell me a little bit about what you do in the flower world. Flower world, so I am a florist, and so I've been doing that for 12, 13 years now. It's been a while, but it's one of those things where it's like, like how long have you been doing the event stuff? I grew up, my mom was a caterer when I was growing up, when I was a little kid, and we've just always been in events that I can think of, whether it be church, family, whatever. So to say I've been doing events, I'm like almost 40 and I feel like I've been doing events for 40 years, but um, I've my own business for the last 12 or 13 years. Okay. Yeah. And then, Tyler, you're a little bit newer to the industry. Mm-hmm. Brand new. Brand new. Okay. Well, I guess in the in the scheme of things, it feels like brand new. Um, so this is year three for me. I do uh, wedding videography and then uh, filmmaking and some commercial work as well. Emphasis on the weddings for sure. So my first wedding was in 2020, weirdly enough. And it just kind of snowballed from there. It wasn't really something that I envisioned myself getting into, but I kind of always had the passion for filmmaking and just like uh, that creative side of, of video creating. So kind of fell into it and did my first wedding in 2020 and then kind of decided to pursue it in, in 2021 and 22. And then... Here we are in 2023. So this is year three for me and, and looking forward to to a next decade or so, you know, hopefully. So, awesome. So 2020, what a great year to start yeah. you know, <laughs> in a bit business. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> for today's podcast, it was really important for me to have somebody that is either a photographer or a videographer on the podcast because those are the two areas that many couples spend um, a good portion of their budget on. And it's kind of the area that honestly is really important. So I'm excited to have Tyler. And even though he's only been shooting weddings for about three years now, I would say after about three weddings, he probably started seeing patterns. And um, so we're going to talk about those. And then like Hunter said, he's been doing this for quite some time. Hunter and I are in a friend group together. And honestly, I think we wear them out talking about weddings because we don't get to see each other a lot. So when we do see each other, all we talk about is weddings. Yeah, you know, we so. just jump in. The rest of our friends are like, do you all talk about anything else? I'm like, no, no I can. No. But I can sit and talk about weddings for hours with Sarah. She's so knowledgeable and we just have the best time cutting up. So then I told Tyler he may have to jump in at some point and like reel us back in. So, <laughs> so the very first thing we're going to talk about being a wedding guest. I want to start from the very beginning and kind of take you all the way through the reception and after the wedding. So the very first thing is when you see somebody on social media has gotten engaged or you have gotten a text or you've gotten a FaceTime from them, the first thing you're going to do is congratulate them. You're going to be excited for them. You're going to comment. 
but we are not going to ask them when the wedding is. <laughs> because when a bride has first gotten engaged, 99.9% of the time, she does not know when that wedding is going to be. There are times where, yes, the ring has been ordered, it's been customized, and they may already have a venue, but they don't want to tell you that stuff. Just let them be engaged. Let them enjoy that season of life. So that's going to be my very first thing. I mean, because the biggest, like when you're talking about like, when is it like as soon as you get engaged, like when is your date? Like your date can be hinged on so many things like who's available, what venues available or what photographers, available, what's the most important thing that's available to you? And then you start moving your things around to fit into that date framework. And that just becomes an unwarranted stress right at the beginning of like, I don't know, like, and everybody wants to say like, are you sure it's June? I'm like, I don't know. There's, I don't even know what venues are available. Exactly. So yeah. we're not going to ask anybody what their date is. Um, they will tell you when their date is if they want you to come to the wedding. <laughs> yeah. So never assume that you are invited to someone's wedding. Oh, yeah. You know, when you hear those things, you always kind of assume you're the closest with that person. But once they start making that guest list, and it's not even that you might not be the closest, but it just may be, you know, what, I'm not inviting anyone from work or it's going to be family only or it's literally going to be 12 of us going to Gatlinburg. And that could mm -hmm. be it. And so it's like, don't feel bad if you don't make the cut. Yeah, um, and don't mention that you're excited to attend yeah. the wedding and make yeah. them feel awkward. When they send you that save the date or they send you that invitation, that's when your opportunity arises that you can talk about the wedding. Yeah. Also, when it comes to even just being a guest at a wedding, uh, maybe you are an aunt or an uncle, don't ask your vendor friends for a discount because you're... Your sister got engaged. Your niece got engaged. Don't ask your friends for discounts. It is. It becomes a hard because it's like you do want to be able to offer the people closest to you the best service possible. But I'm going to tell you, as as a vendor and stuff, usually when it comes to like discounting stuff, it's it's harder for me to discount than it is for me to just go above and beyond and offer yeah. more of something, a bigger service, something that I wouldn't typically offer than just straight up like flatlining discount. If you start flatline discounting stuff, you're probably going to get less than what you want or you're still going to get what you want, but it's not going to be as exciting. But if you just kind of let your vendor friends go, it's like, hey, I've got this much of my budget. Great. It's $3,000. Awesome. Well, you're probably going to get five or 6,000 from your friend mm -hmm. just based on you know, what they have in their arsenal, but it's harder to reel it back in when you feel like you're trying to like be, you know, penny pinching with someone. Plus, I think too, as vendors, we only have so many weekends. So especially if the, your vendor friend or family member, if this is something that they make a living doing, it can be somewhat of an insult if they're like, hey, can you work for free or heavily discounted this weekend? And like, we want you to be a guest, but we, we also want you to provide the service and do it like heavily discounted. So sometimes depending on the season, you can like also be taking away from that family member or friend's income for that month, especially if it's a peak wedding season month, it can definitely be a little bit of a slap in the face. I think it should be more voluntary or on the vendor. Like if they want to offer that, I think that's fantastic, but I wouldn't expect a discount like you said oh yeah and you touched on something from it being the friend and the guest attendee or the vendor and the attendee and stuff man that's mm -hmm. some, one of the hardest things to do where you're trying <laughs> yep. to like 
uh, for me being a florist trying to put the flowers on the table, like the candles that I've got to find 20 minutes to go like wipe the sweat off myself and put on a suit and then come out and be like, Oh, it's be a wedding guest now. And you're just like dead dog tired and yeah. sweating. And then you have to come out and like, and it's like, you've worked so much harder. And then usually if it's not, if I'm not at the wedding that I get to go home and like sleep for two hours or like just hang out somewhere, or not do anything, but then you have to go be social and yeah. <laughs> hang out. It's, with it's hard to switch the mentality sometimes because it's like, it is work and it is a wedding. You're trying to enjoy it if it's family or friend, but you're like, okay, I'm working right now. I, you know, I'm, I kind of got to be in work mode. And then you're like, okay, now switch to party mode. It's kind of hard to, hard to switch sometimes. And I probably spend more time on social media than maybe you all do. But whenever you see a friend post, hey, I'm looking for an affordable wedding venue, or I'm looking for in a wedding venue that is $7,000 or less. And your friends have the best of intentions and they will start recommending venues and they'll put no disrespect to these venues. Just giving you an example, uh, put Castle Key or the Apiary or the Carrick House and they start listing all these venues. And I'm like, you don't know anything about those venues. Those are not anywhere close to those prices. Stop getting their hopes up. They're absolutely lovely venues. But yeah, but yeah. it's very hard when you start seeing that bad advice going out and you're just like oh like your my budget is this and i'm like those are twice your budget yeah <laughs> so. so if you don't know don't comment i know you're wanting to help at that point say hey i know this girl named sarah and she is a wedding concierge and she can help you she knows what the prices are reach out to her she can help you find somebody that is within your budget so yes. when i see those comments it literally hurts my soul sometimes so yeah. i think coming down to Facebook, giving people opinions when, and you, you mean well, but oh yeah. Yeah. And I think when you see those things and it's like the first thing you do, like if your wedding budget is X dollars and the first thing you do is run to one of the most expensive venues in the state of Kentucky and they hand you a, well, this is our kind of starting point And it's three times what you're wanting to spend. It's a, it's kind of a crushing blow and it kind of makes, I feel like you, a bride will look at that and go, well, how am I even going to afford to get married? I'm like, you can't yeah. afford to get married. You're going to have a beautiful venue and a beautiful wedding. It just won't be here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. Yeah. Talking about assuming that you are going to be a guest at the wedding. The other thing is sometimes I think people assume that they're going to be in the bridal party. Have you all kind of dealt with that any? Oh, I think there's always that like outside cousin or somebody who's like, oh, they just assume they're going to be in it and stuff. And then, I don't know, it's always that kind of like family management or something or leaving the one sorority sister out or something where, I mean, it is hard where they kind of like, you just keep adding people to it and you're like, well, my bridal party's got 85 people in it now and I would like to keep it to five. <laughs> and I think um, what I've noticed in the weddings that I've done is like family members seem to be the trickiest, like siblings, especially if it's like, if it's the bride's brother or something like that where they might not necessarily be close with the groom. Like they're obviously friendly and corrigible because they're engaged. But, you know, sometimes I think if you're a sibling of someone's fiance, you might assume that you're in the wedding party. So I, I have seen some tricky situations there where like, you know, this sibling is, this sibling isn't because they, you know, they have X number of friend group and they want so-and-so to be the maid of honor or the matron of honor. And then, you know, they have, they might also have four siblings. So I think it, it's tough if they're trying to keep it under a smaller limit as far as party size. I just, 
I guess I would just not take it personal. And I mean, either way, you'll still enjoy the wedding. And two, there are some couples that are not having bridal parties at all now, or sometimes it's just one on each side. So again, never assume that you are going to be in the bridal party. The other thing is, on the opposite end of that, is if someone does ask you to be in the bridal party, it's okay to say no. You all may disagree with that. It is. It's one of those things that feels like knowing that you're going to be in somebody's bridal party is suddenly becomes a financial commitment. And I can't remember what all the statistics are and stuff, but it is, I feel like it's always those things where it's like, as soon as you say yes to being a bridesmaid, make sure you got 6,000 bucks laid around because you're going to have, you're buying dresses, you're going on a bachelorette trip, you're going to be throwing a bridal shower, you're going to be throwing a lingerie shower. So it's becomes, um, it can become an expensive endeavor. And I think that's one of those things where it's like when you are the bride, you know, trying to be respectful of, I would love for you to be my bridesmaid. Do you think that's something that you want to com commit to? And if they can't do it, don't harbor any ill will towards them. And if, and if the other part if the person being asked can't do it, then, you know, just be friends. You're still going to enjoy. I've seen more people blow up over not being able to afford to do all the bridal party things than people who've said no, and just been able to go and enjoy the weddings and stuff. So like the number of people who I worked in formal wear for a long time as well, and then watching people who are dropping out as bridesmaids, dropping out as groomsmen because they've gotten in a fight over usually something financial around the wedding and somebody's financial expectations don't meet what the bride and grooms are. So it's if you don't, if you can't be in the bridal party, you don't want to be, it's okay to say no and just be like, I'd love to. I just want to be a guest at your wedding and make sure that I can enjoy that aspect of it. And I kind of had, I guess, to touch on the situation too, kind of firsthand experience with this a little bit. Um, not me personally, but my wife, Tiffany. We got married last September in 2022. And her friend was also a very close friend of hers. Both of them were in each other's weddings. But she was getting married a couple weeks after us in October. And Tiffany reached out and was like, hey, you know, I'd be honored to be your maid of honor, but we're getting married a couple weekends before and we're planning our own wedding and it's just a lot to take on. And she didn't want to like do a disservice being her friend's maid of honor. And, you know, cause she didn't have necessarily the time to commit to also planning bachelorette trips and uh, like engagement parties and that sort of thing for her and also for our wedding as well. So I think that is also something to note too, as far as like maid of honor, you can also turn down that as well and say, hey, I would love to be part of your wedding. I have X, Y, and Z going on. You might be buying a house, you might have children, you know, you never know. So I think just kind of being upfront with that and say, hey, like I want you to have the best engagement experience as possible and just say like, hey, I'd love to be a part, but I just don't know if I can commit to being like your maid of honor. So I think that's something else to note there as well. So I will say that my friends know not to ask me to be a bridesmaid. I'm the worst <laughs> bridesmaid. I either want to help you plan the wedding or I want to be a guest mm -hmm. and I will do whatever I need to do during the planning. I will show up for your showers. But just being a bridesmaid is not for me. I've said no twice. It is completely okay. I am still great friends with those people. I feel like they asked me out of courtesy. They knew I was going to say no, but they wanted to ask. And I still said no. I appreciate them asking. So it is okay to say no. <laughs> yeah. And then moving on, the next thing after uh, the initial, hey, we're getting married, is you are going to receive a save the date in the mail. 
you are typically going to get that about six to eight months before the wedding. And that's going to give you the date and likely the city of the wedding. I would say if it doesn't have a city on it, then it will probably be the city wherever the couple resides. And then a lot of times there's going to be a wedding website on that as well. And if it's on there, go ahead and check that out, especially if it is a destination wedding. That's going to tell you hotels to look at and just the the beginning stages of what you need to plan your trip. Do you all ever look at wedding websites? Oh, yeah, all the yeah. time. Where Because it is usually... We've become such a society where everything is digital at our fingertips and stuff. So that wedding website tool is such a great tool for rising groups, especially, again, if it's out of town or they just have people coming from out of town. Or, of course, we're in Kentucky. If it's a fall wedding, you can dealing with football season and all kinds of stuff. So if it's one of those crazy busy weekends in the bluegrass where it's Keeneland and football and you just happen to be getting married, mm-hmm. making sure that you're really looking at those times and stuff going, oh, do I have my hotel room booked and stuff? Because those things are... We run out of them. So there's only so many hotel rooms and stuff in the city of Lexington on those football weekends. And so it's important to kind of follow, you know, that information of bride and grooms give you specific instructions like book your hotel room by July 1st, because otherwise they're going to give them to all the Vanderbilt fans. Then (laughs) you need to know that. (laughs) Yes. And then Tyler, did you have a wedding website for your wedding last year? Uh, Yes, we did. A hundred percent. So we got married in Mount Sterling. So, you know, a little bit of a travel from Lexington. So we did have some family stay (laughs) in Mount Sterling for the wedding. So, yeah, we had information as far as like the hotel block that that we had blocked out, you know, where to stay or other hotels nearby. She had family traveling from out of state. So she had touristy destinations that they could check out while they're in the state. Um, Most of the time for us vendors, there are like the couple story, which is always helpful, I think. And that's normally what I check out the website for. You know, hopefully when they're reaching out to me, they at least have a rough outline of like a wedding website and, and kind of some some hard details like that. So I'll, uh, it's always good to have stuff on there for your vendors to see as well, just like your story, kind of your personality, just so it kind of adds that personal touch to that that side of stuff too. And two, if you are um, somebody that is engaged listening to this podcast, I recommend sending uh, your vendors a save the date because they're going to go and look at your wedding website. They're going to read their story. They're going to look at your pictures. They're going to see what you have up there. So definitely do that. And two, as a guest, when you get the save the date, that is your time to start thinking about, am I going to go? Do I, can I financially go, especially if it is a destination wedding? Do you need to ask off work? When do you need to ask off work? And then looking at the hotels that are on the website if it is a destination there are reasons why your friends chose those hotels Um, there's a reason why they did a room block at those hotels and so whatever i have a guess that'll be like or just anybody in general like oh we booked here and i'm like that is literally 20 minutes from the hotel or from the venue why did you book there Mm -hmm. so it drives me crazy anytime i hear somebody say oh it was 20 dollars cheaper just book where the bride puts you. It's it's that simple. Hunter, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I think that's me. Like there, <laughs> there's reasons why it's close to things. It's the ambience they're wanting to have. It's a good price point and stuff. So it, you know, or just keeps everybody together and stuff. Because if you have a lot of out of town people and you're trying to like host a cocktail party or meet in the lobby because we're going to go to dinner or something like that, mm-hmm. it's much harder when you're like, well, Aunt So and So's at the Airbnb. Yeah. 
three towns over because she saved 20 bucks, then, you know, then you're trying to just, you're missing out on that, like, family group time, I think, a lot of time. I feel like anytime we've gone places as a family, and, that, and for me, it's like, it's that kind of, like, family time where you are there hanging out in a hotel with your aunts, uncles, and cousins and stuff, and you're just having fun in the lobby and stuff. That's, um, I mean, the wedding's important, but some of those kind of, like, around the wedding quiet moments are some of the most fun. And, you know, there's, so when you're, when you remove yourself from that, you miss out on some of that fun opportunity to make memories. For sure. When it comes to the invitations, you will typically get those in the mail about six to eight weeks before. Sometimes couples will send those a little farther out than that, especially if it's a long, a far destination wedding for a lot of guests. But that's normally the time frame. And when you get those invitations, the first thing we are going to do is see how they are addressed. Are they addressed yes. to Mr. Mm-hmm. and Mrs. Smith and family or just Mr. and Mrs. Smith? We are going to look at Mr. Smith. Yeah, no one else. So. Exactly. So basically what I'm getting at is we are going to figure out if you are allowed to bring a plus one and if your kids are invited. A lot of times going back to the wedding website, there are going to be instructions on there on whether kids are invited. We are definitely seeing a lot less kids being invited as we go along. There's it's a personal choice. And sometimes the only children that are going to be there may be the flower girl, the ring bearer, um, a sibling, a niece and nephew. But a lot of times it is kid free. So, yeah, we're definitely seeing a trend of adult only mm-hmm. weddings right now as we're For kind sure. of um, swinging into that. Because I think it's because we have bride and grooms who are a little older getting married and stuff. And so they just want that that time with their friends and family to just kind of really just be a fun time and not be worried about are little kids having a good time? Are there iPads everywhere? Has somebody thrown up Cheerios in the bathroom? And then, you know, are they trying, putting their fingers in the cake? Are they putting their feet? I've seen that. <laughs> um, I think we've all seen that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so just really making sure that, you know, that it is just a distraction free environment for their guests and for their friends and family and stuff. So they love your kids. I promise you the bride and groom love your kids. They just want to make sure that, again, that little Timmy over here isn't put his whole face in the cake. And if you have any questions about whether your kids are invited, when you address the the bride and ask her, do not assume that they're invited. You can ask if they are. And then a lot of times whenever you go to the wedding website to fill out an RSVP, it will basically tell you whether like how many people you're allowed to bring. And mm-hmm. that'll usually tell you if you get a plus one as well. Sometimes you can only register for yourself because of the way the couple has put it in there. And if they tell you no, that they're not allowed, that means that they're not allowed. They, you know, there's nice ways to ask that. Like, you know, if you're, if you get your invitation and it, you're unsure if like the kids are invited, if you want to reach out to the bride and groom and be like, Hey, um, is this going to be open for the kids or should I get a sitter for the night? And I think you can kind of put that onus back on yourself. Um, um, and not making the bride feel bad that the kids are coming so that you can, you know, make it a date night for you, for you and your husband or whatever it is. So I think that's, a nice way find nice ways to ask instead of just yeah don't make them feel guilty yeah. for not inviting kids for sure absolutely talking about rsvps um whenever i put out just some questions on social media like asking people what they wanted to learn from this podcast and asking vendors what they wanted guests to know one of the vendors said this shit ain't free rsvp oh well, you had mentioned that. So I, when you had kind of told us what the topic was and that was as you were giving us some kind of talking points and stuff, like the same three. So I just went through really quickly and I added up, assuming that the, um, 
you were at a venue that had tables and chairs. I didn't include that. But just basic linens, a china flower glassware, centerpiece, and then thinking per head, like food per head and like open bar. And you just kind of added that up. Like for an eight person table, that table costs about $1,400. Mm-hmm. If you have like $150 centerpiece, $100 per head catering, $30 per head open bar and stuff. And so when you start looking at that, this isn't free. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, this one table costs about, because it's going to cost your bride and groom about fourteen dollars to $1,500. And so that's, it's expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's a, I mean, your your friends love you. That's why they're inviting you. But it is, it is an expensive endeavor to to invite people. And when it comes to RSVPs, every bride is going to mention on um, their invitation how to RSVP. Sometimes there are multiple ways to RSVP. I do think since the pandemic, we have gone away from um, a lot of mailing them back. A lot of times that is still an option, especially for some of the older guests. You can um, do, there's a texting service now for RSVPs, and then a lot of it is through the wedding website. It doesn't matter how you RSVP, just as long as you do. It can even be through a text message. Uh, You can send smoke signals, just RSVP, preferably before the due date. But even if it's that day, the day it's due, just RSVP. If it is where you get um, the card and you mail it in, it's too hard to even explain this without having a visual if you don't know how to fill out the RSVP card, just Google it. Uh, because sometimes it gets tricky, but you are to put your names on that. Yes, if you don't put your names on the RSVP. I did invitations. I, here's, I did invitations for years, too. <laughs> I did invitations. I did formalware. I've done flowers. I've done food. Uh, but I did invitations for years as well. And it was that, um, as you're helping people with stuff, the number of people that don't write their names on on RSVPs was astounding to me because you're getting it back and it's like RSVP for three people. We all want chicken. And I'm like, <laughs> trying to help the bride and groom. And I'm like, I, I, we don't know who it's for. Oh, here's a little tip with that. What I used to tell people, and I don't know if you ever talked about this. We used to number the backs of the cards. This is that way you would number your guests one through 100. And then you would number your RSVP cards one through 100. So if somebody did write it, you're like, oh, this is guest number 25. Flip the card over. Oh, 25 is Mr. and Mrs. Jones. Then you know who that belongs to. So Most of the time on your RSVPs, like he was saying, you'll have um, your dietary choice if they're asking for one. If you are gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever, feel free to put that information on there. Your caterers are more than happy to accommodate that. They just have to know ahead of time. The majority of the time in our area, the food is not always cooked on site. So it's not something that they can whip up in a three-minute notice when they come to bring you food at the table. So if you need a special meal on that RSVP card, is the time to tell the couple that yeah. you need it. If you need, like, if you have a nut allergy, just write nut allergy in there. Like, they were, they go, they're gonna want to know that way more than being on site and you lean over and the wait staff. Like, by the way, she's got a nut allergy, and it's like, well, everything here is peanut chicken. That's all yeah. we have. <laughs> and but they can't fix that on site. They can fix it when they knew three weeks ago. Also on the wedding website and sometimes on the RSVP card. If it is a venue that's going to be 20 or 30 minutes from downtown Lexington, they um, just for example, they may have transportation provided from the hotel where the room block is at to the venue. And so a lot of times they may ask you on the RSVP card if you want to use the transportation that is provided. So that way they know what size of vehicle to use. So 
If you think that there's any chance that you want to use the transportation that is provided, that is the time to say, yes, I want transportation. Not when you get to the venue and you're like, I've been driving all day. I don't really want to drive. There might be room for you. There might not be room for you. So they're happy to everybody's happy to play it. They just want to know Mm -hmm. when you get your invitation as well. And you've done your RSVP. Go back and make sure you have your travel plans. Make sure you have your hotels booked. Do you have flights booked? Do you have transportation from the airport to the hotel? Your ground transfer service. Yeah, especially in Lexington, if you're coming from Louisville or Cincinnati. Do you have other family and friends that are flying in so that you all can split a vehicle if you need to? Just look at all of those things six and eight weeks out instead of a week out. And honestly, when I say all of this, I'm really talking to myself <laughs> um, because I'm the worst at that. And then... Talking about that, you're also going to want to start looking at um, the attire that your couple has requested. A lot of times on the wedding website, it is going to tell you what type of attire or on the invitation. If it is black tie or if it is Keeneland attire, whatever it may be, just follow that request. And sometimes if it's on a farm, it may be more casual. It will say that. So whatever the couple requests of you, just just follow that. Oh, yeah. You always want to look like you're a part of the event instead of the person who looks like they wandered into the event. Yeah. Talking about the showers and the gift registry, this may be more of what I even keep talking about instead of you guys. I don't know if you have as much experience with that kind of thing, (laughs) but it goes back to assuming. Don't assume that you are going to be invited to a shower uh, because sometimes there are not showers. Sometimes maybe it'll be a work will throw a shower for the bride. Um, Sometimes it may be their life for throwing a shower. There may not be like a countywide shower for her. So if don't ask her, if you get an invite to the shower, that means you're invited. If you don't get an invite to the shower, that means that you're either not invited or there isn't one. And then when it comes to buying a gift for the couple, use the registry, please. There's a registry for a reason. Those are the things that the couples need. Typically, that registry can be found on their wedding website. And it is super easy. A lot of times they'll be hooked up to like Amazon, Macy's. A lot of times it'll be hooked up to several different websites and it will ship directly to the couple. And a lot of times there's also going to be like a Venmo or PayPal option. Pre-pandemic, that literally drove me crazy. But again, I think we've changed a lot since then. And honestly, it's the easiest thing in the world now to just do that. Tyler, did you all do a registry through your website? Yeah, yeah. We registered on Amazon. So we had a a registry there. And then I think there some, some people did ship stuff to us or they brought stuff to the wedding. So, you know, there are some older people that still do that. But they would like look on the registry. We did get duplicate gifts of a couple things um, that were, you know, one was bought on the registry and one was looked at on the registry and then purchased off the registry. So that's one thing I will note there. Like if you're buying on the registry, just buy through the registry. Don't go buy like from Walmart or buy Amazon on your own because you want to give it to the couple. It's just easier to buy it through what they have. Like Sarah said, they they set it up that way for a reason. So just kind of just kind of go with the flow there. Yeah. And so many of the like Macy's, Walmart's, Target's, I mean, it is, if you just buy it off the registry, they just ship it to the bride and groom's house. And that way you don't have to like worry about hauling gifts into a wedding reception and stuff. And it's done, bought, you can go to the party, don't even have to worry about the rest of it. So 
And then a lot of times there's also the option um, of a honeymoon fund. Um, a lot of couples already have everything they need, but they want to take a fantastic honeymoon. So you can contribute toward that, like um, massages or dinner on the beach, anything like that. And two, like on Amazon, completely switching gears there, a lot of times on Amazon, if there is a bigger price gift, we'll say just a Yeti cooler, that's $400 because... I always recommend the groom gets to pick one really fantastic mm-hmm. thing, too. Um, <laughs> you can put $50 toward that gift. So you do not have to buy the entire thing. You can just make a contribution toward that. Yes. I will say that on Amazon Prime Day is a fantastic day to buy gifts on Amazon. Um, I did that this <laughs> summer, and I was actually able to buy more gifts for the people I needed to buy gifts for um, because they were on sale for Prime Day. One of the things that Hunter touched on is bringing the gift to the wedding. This is something as a guest, you probably have no experience with other than just bringing the gift. As someone who has been there on the wedding day, when I see someone bringing in a KitchenAid mixer or a comforter or pots and pans, uh, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. I feel like it was always those Bed Bath & Beyond all tied up with the purple tool like 18 boxes tied up together and they like walk in like they can't see over top of them and like what am i supposed to do with them and this is again where sometimes we get a little judgmental but we also know that you don't know and that's why we are doing this podcast so you bring that gift in and so the gift will be brought in and then typically the planner will um, take the gift from you probably put it in one location because that is going to be where they're at it's the quickest place to put it Likely it's going to be moved one other time before it actually makes it to um, probably a parent's vehicle. From the parent's vehicle, it's either going to go inside the parent's house or inside the couple's vehicle. And then it has to go into their house. So that gift is being moved six to eight times before it actually gets to the couple. I always love watching, especially if the wedding, the reception and the the ceremony reception are in the same place. You're watching like the poor husband haul in that whole stack of purple tool wrap boxes into like the church and then i'm like well we're not taking anything here we're going to the reception at the marriott downtown and they gotta like haul it back out of the church back to the car that's three blocks down the road and then we're getting back in the car we're gonna haul the same present into the marriott and i'm like we're, like why are we just carrying these around <laughs> like just send it ahead or just no take it to the reception don't carry it to the ceremony ain't nobody open presents at the ceremony <laughs> I'm laughing just because I agree with you. But yes, so if that's something that you have never thought about before, again, buying off the registry, shipping it directly to the couple. That way it literally never touches your hands and it goes straight to their front porch. So I know a lot of times if you are not doing an actual gift from the registry or a tangible gift that you want to do a monetary gift, many, all couples appreciate that. You can do, uh, most people will bring a card to the wedding day. Do not bring cash. Do not put cash in that card. Only write the couple a check. I don't want to go into the reasons really of why not to put cash in that. Just take my word for it. So either bring a card with a check in it or mail that check to their house a week or two before the wedding or a week or two after the wedding. Because again, those cards will be moved several times that evening, either by the wedding planner or the venue, or a parent. Um, So they're going to be moved to a vehicle. Then they're probably going to be moved to somebody's house for safekeeping if the couple's going to be gone on the honeymoon. And then it may be seven or 10 days, maybe 14 days before the couple gets those. So just kind of keep those things in mind. If you're somebody that likes to have your check cashed immediately, 
it's probably not going to happen when it comes to the wedding money. No. So every couple appreciates anything and everything that you do for them. It's also some of this is kind of just going to alleviate some of the pain and annoyance that that you might feel. We are finally to the day of the wedding. Now that you... This is all just pre-wedding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. pre-wedding. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's hard to be a guest at a wedding. I kind of feel like this is the perfect stopping point on part one of how to be a wedding guest. Next week, we're going to be back with the actual day of the wedding. We're going to talk about what to wear to the wedding. Are you allowed to wear white or ivory to a wedding? What time you should arrive to the ceremony, phone etiquette, and more. For more information about Simply Love Studio or to schedule your wedding consultation, go to simplylovestudio.com.